And let's invite our speaker for this morning. Our dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much that you know exactly what language we speak. You know the calluses that are around our heart. You know uh, the distractions. You know what our mind has been focused on. And you know what challenges lie before you to get through to us. For some it's language, for some it's distractions, for some it's emotions, for some it's pain. Right now people have migraines. Right now people are in physical pain. Right now people have memories and, and disturbances. Right now they are excited about something's future that they're not able to get to, uh, can't wait to get to it. Right now there's a hundred reasons why we may not capture what you have to say from your heart to us. So I leave that to you, Jesus. You are the best communicator and you created us to communicate to us. You know how each and every one of these precious people here think, process, understand and act. So let your servant skillfully remove himself from the equation, leaving your people directly face to face with you to hear your word and to respond. There are some here who don't know you. There's no connection or it's been a while since they felt close to you. Today is a new day and you're going to start something new in their life today. So I thank you for that in advance. And I praise you that you are here, that you are Lord in this place. And I ask you to release an anointing for our ears to hear and for our hearts to respond. Let everyone know that they sat in the presence of the Most High God. Let our worship be genuine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Don't you get irritated? Isn't that a great point to start on? Don't you get irritated when somebody picks up the phone, they call you on the phone, and sometimes you don't even have their number saved. They call you on the phone, you pick up the phone, they just start talking. They just start talking. Or a stranger walks up to you and just starts talking. But especially on the phone, if somebody calls and you're like, hello, would you mind explaining who you are? Or, or text is more apt nowadays. They just say, hi. And I say, why? <laughs> you know, who are you? Because until I know who you are, and until I know who I'm talking to, it affects how I'm going to respond to you. I could be talking to the Pope or the pizza guy. I don't know. I don't know who, whether it's an older person or a younger person, whether it's a male or a female. What, what should I talk about? What talk is inappropriate? What tone of voice should I use? What are the words that are appropriate? How do I address this person properly, respectfully or not? Right? Until you know who you're talking to, you don't know how to talk. Hey, you're getting the connection. Until you know who you're talking to, you don't know how to talk. So what you know about someone determines how you talk to them. I'm going to say it one more time. I want everybody's attention. And if you don't have notes, quietly raise your left hand. And Pastor Akash or someone around there will come running and give you notes quietly without getting everybody's attention. What you know about someone determines how you talk to them. How you talk to them. The same thing is with prayer. The same thing is with prayer. And if you don't know God, and if you don't know what He's like, and if you don't know how He listens, and if you don't know what He's about, then you will not pray in a way that is effective, that, is really, that really feels like you've made a connect. 
your understanding of what God is really like, it shapes everything else in your life, including how you pray. We've invited some of you. You don't normally come to our church, but we've invited some of you because we love you. We want to share our experience with you. We're talking about prayer for these 40 days, and we are meeting in small groups, and we're learning about how to pray. We're learning about how prayer breaks through. We're learning about how a breakthrough, uh, you know, hard times breaks through, uh, difficult stock times. We're talking. Of, we're learning for ourselves, but we've asked you to come because we want to get to. Know, we want you to get to know our Jesus. We want you to get to know what we have in Christ. And we've invited you for that. So if you're new to this whole thing, chill out, relax, sit back, don't worry, and, we, and, and join, the, join the movement, join uh, the family, and we'll, we'll get you through this. Nothing influences your life more than how you view God. When you, the way you view God, that actually touches your entire life. We have so many misconceptions about God. So many different ways of believing about Him. People have made up their own mind. Their own little, small, squishy, walnut mind they've made up about who and how God is. God is a force and not personal. These are misconceptions. God is distant, distant, beyond my actions. He is so distant that my measly, small, little actions don't actually affect His bigness. He's so great that it doesn't matter. I don't matter. God is angry. There's a misconception that there is a God and He is just ticked off. He's just sitting there waiting for you to just poke Him. And everything's just going to come leashing out. Like some people we know. We have these misconceptions about God and they are misconceptions. That God is angry and He needs to be appeased. So everything we do, everything we child if you know what I mean. Everything we give, everything we offer is like, don't, just, just don't, oh, take, take, calm down. Be, I don't know. Some of us think that God or gods in the heavenlies are indulgent. They're indulgent. They're enjoying their grapes and their wines and their parties and their all their, and then they're living another level. And we are to live in a way, I don't know how that whole thing works, but we're supposed to keep them happy. God is condemning. He's sitting on the throne with a big tri-tip javelin sort of thing. And he's just waiting there for you to make one mistake. And then you're like... Some of us think that that's God. This big guy with the, you know, Thor type or don't know, Thor's father or something from Marvel. Every, even, even comics, you know, and even all of your weirdo kind of sci-fi stuff, they're all trying to imagine what it might be like. Someone's think God is a genie in the bottle, you rub, it, rub him just the right way, he'll come out and he'll like, tell me what you want, tell me anything you want, tell me, give me I'll give you anything you want. Misconceptions, misconceptions. So what is God really like? God has many characteristics as the word of God has told us, as he has revealed to us. He has many characteristics. He's omniscient, which means he knows everything and he knows everything about everything. He's omnipotent. That means he's, his potential, his able ability, his power to do anything he wants. God is just. God is loving. He is a loving God. He always acts in love. He is a kind God. He's unchanging. He's holy. He's eternal. God is eternal, which means he's not stuck in the moment. Get with me. He's not stuck in the moment. He's eternal. He's not 
stuck in the moment, which means this moment that has this feeling, that has this tiredness, that has this emotion, he's not stuck in that. He's above all of that. He's eternal. Today I wanted to look at the goodness of God. That's one of his attributes. It's one of his attributes. The goodness of God. Psalm 105, look up on the screen. The Lord is always good. The Lord is always good. He's always loving, always kind, and His faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. His faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. Shall we do that again? The Lord is always good. He is always loving and kind, and His faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. Do you know? That the reason there is good in the world is because God is good. Because we have a good creator. The reason there is good in the world is because we have a good creator. God is the source of all the good in the world. Is there evil in the world? Yes, there is. Why is there evil in the world? Because God gave man free choice. God gave man free will. And we made bad decisions and evil came into the world with our bad decisions and with our disobedience. We have bad decisions and therefore we have evil in the world. Why do we have good in the world? Because God is good. So don't ask the question why we have evil in the world. We are all the reason. We know that. Why do we have good in the world? It's because God is a good creator. But God doesn't force us to do good. Did you hear me? God does not force us to do good. But here's where we begin to get to the bottom of it, where, we, where the rubber meets the road. If God is not a good God, hear me, if God is not a good God, there is zero reason to pray. There's no point. There's no point asking a person for something, for help, if that person has no good in them. There's no point praying if God is not a good God. But because God is good, I want to take four different, five different responses, different uh, reactions to the fact that God is good. Is everybody with me? Not distracted, falling asleep, getting bored? Okay? If you're getting bored, just tell each other a joke, have a quick laugh, and get back to me. It works. Four implications. Because God is good. Because God is good, number one, God's plan for my life will always be good. Believe it. Believe it. Because God is good, God's plans for my life will always be good. Write that down. Now God is omnipotent, but is there anything that God cannot do? Yes. God cannot do evil and God cannot change. God cannot do evil and God cannot change. So God is limited and he's limited by his character which is both immutable, that means it does not change and it is holy which means he is bound by character. Are you with me? So God, his plans for my life will always be good. It will always be a good plan and it will always be good for me. Always. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. You love this verse, you quote it and you've seen it on walls. I know what I've planned for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. Plans 
will give, my plans will give you hope. They'll give you a good future. And when you call to me and pray to me, I will listen to you. I will listen to you. When you call to me and pray to you, I will listen to you. Listen to me. God created you. From the time you were conceived in one cell, God created you. God knew who you were by name when you were a cell. And at that moment, God waited. From that time, God waited for you to come into existence in terms of being born and being able to communicate so that he may have a relationship with you because he has a plan for you. And his plan didn't begin, become his plan didn't begin after mom and dad decided to sleep together. His plan began before the foundations of the earth. There are no accidental children. There are only accidental parents. Everyone, every child, born or unborn, was well within God's plan. And nobody is a mistake. You are not an accident. You're in church. I'm speaking from a pulpit. I can tell you no lies. You are not an accident. But the way my life has been going, Pastor Jeremy, it feels like my life is an accident. The things that have happened to me, the bad things that have happened to me, it feels like my life is an accident. It feels like I have either made too many mistakes or somebody in a previous life made some mistakes. That's not true, but you believe it. And the way you look at life and circumstances, you begin to question the goodness of the very plan of God in bringing you into the world. But God has a plan for your life and his plans are good. His plans are good. God put a lot of thought into creating your life. And here's the deal. God's plans for me are revealed and realized. If you can quickly write that down, please do that. It are revealed and realized through prayer. Through prayer. Let me give you an example if I can think one up right on the spot. If a child, a baby is born and the baby never goes into a relationship with the mother, never feels the mother, never hears the mother, never feels, hears the mother's voice, father's voice, never goes into a relationship with the mother, the baby will never feel special, never feel valued and never believe that they belong to somebody or there is a plan for their life. You get that? You get that? So it's the relationship and the communication that begins even before. When my son was, was five inches, I was talking to him. Five inches and the Doppler, the, you know, the, the thing. We, we, yeah, do, 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 yeah, it was amazing. And I started talking to him and he responded. Zerima would burp and stuff like that. So I, I figured, <laughs> I figured, yay. She's still burping though. I don't, I don't know what that's all about. God's plans for me are revealed. I get to know that he has a plan for my life. And they are realized I get to do his plan for my life as I talk to him. So if there's no prayer life, there's no planned life. If there's no prayer life, there's no planned life. God's plan cannot, it's just a good idea if you don't have a good prayer life. If you're not intimate with, uh, with God, if you don't have an intimate relationship with God, you're missing out on the most important thing in your life, which is God's plan for your life. The plan for your life is not what you do with your life, but what God does with your life. God doesn't leave the result and the outcome of your life to you. He made you to be with you and to make your life a blessing. You can't do that on your own. So think, God didn't have to create a plan for your life. He didn't have to. 
but he did so god didn't leave it to chance god didn't leave it to the multiple plausible and, and 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 possible chances and options that might have happened for you to come into existence why because god is a good god and when he makes a plan he makes a good plan and you by the way are part of his good plan Look at Psalm 31 verse 19. Psalm 31 verse 19. God, you are, your goodness is so great. You have stored up great blessings for those who honor you. You do so much for those who come to you for protection. Blessing them before the watching world. Blessing them in front of you. Look at that word stored up. The word stored up. That means there's intentionality. There's planning there. There's thought there. So before your mom and dad even had a dream about having you, God had a plan to have you. Do you hear me? By the way, moms and dads, that changes the entire perspective on parenting. You didn't bring this kid into the world, God did, and gave you 18 years to do something with him or her. They don't belong to you, they belong to him. God, your goodness is so great. You have stored up great blessing for those. But Pastor Jeremy, oh, that's me, by the way, just in case you. <laughs> Pastor Jeremy, not everything in my life is good. Today I'm here, I dressed up and I came to church, but not everything in my life is good. Or not everything has been good. I know. I know that's true. I know. But God didn't promise that everything was going to be good. God didn't say that it was going to be a great life. He said it was going to be a good life. This planet is broken. And the first man God put on this planet and said to him, dominate the earth. Dominate the earth. He gave him authority over all living creatures and all living things. And he said, rule, dominate the earth. This man failed God and ever since that, in the seed of that man, there has been sin and brokenness. And ever since the rest of the planet has been broken. So we make bad choices starting from Adam and starting from the perfect place of a garden. Did you get that? A bad decision was made in a perfect place. In a perfect relationship with God, a bad decision was made. That's the power of free will. When everything is absolutely perfect in your life, you'll still make wrong decisions. But God is even greater than your wrong decisions. He's bigger than your wrong decisions. And all your wrong decisions from your birth till today still can't touch God's ability to turn your life around. So there have been bad decisions, your bad decisions, other bad decisions, and we live on a broken planet, and I know life is not good. I know life is painful. Some of you have seen horrible sickness, some of you are going to see that, some of you have seen brokenness, and some of you have seen pain. But here's the deal, God works with the brokenness. God works around the brokenness, and if he brings, it to, brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. And if, if you get to some painful experience in your life, either he'll give you the strength to overcome it, to get through it, or he'll take it away from your life. God is capable of doing both. But never question the goodness of God. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 28. We know, not we feel, not like a Hollywood star, you know, we think, I perceive, perceive. We know 
that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God according to His purpose. Because goodness is not something you just be on your own. Goodness is a relational virtue. It is a relational characteristic. I can't be good on my own. I have to be good to you. So if God is a good God, He is a good God to somebody. He's a good God to everybody. We know that God causes everything to be to work together for good. So the more you pray, the better you know your purpose. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? The more you pray, the better you know your purpose. And the better you know your proper purpose, more God can use everything in your life to make it good. To make it good. God can turn the worst things around to make it good. The Bible tells us a story back in Genesis of a man named Joseph who was one of 12 brothers. He, was, he had 11 brothers. Uh, he, he was not loved by his brotherhood. He was not loved by his brothers, by the others. They were jealous of him. He was loved by his father and they were very jealous of him. His name was? Not Moses, Joseph. Joseph. You know Joseph and the ark? <laughs> that was in the garden of Eden. That one, that Moses. So Joseph was, they decided to kill him because they were, they were jealous of him. They decided to get rid of him. And this is what Joseph, they did with Joseph. They tried to sell him into slavery. They threw him in a pit hoping he'd die. Then they had a better idea. Somebody had a better idea, sell him into slavery. He got picked up by slave traders, taken away to Egypt. He was there for several years. Talk about questioning the goodness of God. For years, you don't know why you are where you are. You're nobody, you're separated, whatever, whatever the situation. Life is not good, I know. And then God lifts him up, gets Pharaoh's attention. Then his wife turns him in. He goes to jail. He gets remembered after two years. He comes back in. He lands up as the prime minister of the country. And then he is the solution to the entire country's problem of drought, famine. And then these guys come over looking for food from this very man and now they have to bow before Joseph and Joseph says what you planned for evil God has turned to good no 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 you don't get it this was not God's plan this is God's change this is God re-scripting your life saying oh oh okay is that what people are doing it's because free will allows many others to make bad decisions for your life should I repeat that And God says, really, is that what happened to you? We, let's just rewrite that. Really, is that how you feel? Let's just rewrite that. God has the power to change what is not good to what is good for who? For who? To them who are called according to His, to those who are submitted to His plan. Not for everybody. The more you trust the goodness of God, the happier you'll be. The more you trust the goodness of God, the happier you'll be. Romans chapter 5 verse 3. So we can rejoice. Wow. So we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. How about that? You run into a problem, you say, yay! Doesn't work, does it? You can rejoice when you run into problems and trials. Why? For we know that they are good for us, that we will learn from them, we'll get something from them. On earth, God is more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. Why doesn't want God want to give us heaven on earth? Because he's going to give you heaven in heaven. So why will he want to give you heaven on earth? If he gave you heaven on earth, 
others will screw it up for you. You didn't get it. Heaven in heaven is under God's control. Heaven on earth, there you go. And you'll mess it up again. Are you with me? Very good. So look at the screen. Everything God does in my life, He does for my good. Everything God does in my life, He does for my good. You've got to believe that. Because that belief, that conviction, listen, listen to me, look at me, it is under attack. That faith of yours that God is good is under attack. It's not a new attack. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. The very first thing that Satan took a shot at was the goodness of God and was at truth. So the first thing Satan told Adam, and he, as he appeared in one of his slimy forms, he said to Adam, did God really say that? Did he really say that? Slash on truth. The second thing he says is, I think he's keeping something from you. He's not a good God. I think he's keeping something from you. You better think twice. He shot at these two things and yesterday morning and this last week he did the same thing to you. He's been questioning you and he's been shaking your faith in the goodness of God every single day of our lives. Do you believe God is good? Oh yeah, oh yeah, you believe God is good. You're a believer, <laughs> so you believe God is good. Okay? Is God good to you? Oh, that's a whole different story. That's a whole different story. But goodness is a relational term, and if he's not good to you, then God is not good. So if you don't believe that God is good to you, it will affect your prayer life. It will affect your prayer life. All that time, just for point one. Does that scare you? Okay. Let's move to the second one. God always gives me what I need, not what I deserve. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God always gives me what I need, what, not what I deserve. Because if we, if we got what we deserved, none of us will be here. Amen? Very smart. Nobody said amen. They just laughed. <laughs> Psalm 103 verse 10, 11 and 12. He has not treated us. Wow, I love that verse. He has not treated us as we deserve for our sins or paid us back our wrongs. In his goodness, he has taken away our sins and removed them as far as the east is from the west. Even when you sin, my brothers and sisters, my friends, even when you sin, God cannot not act in goodness. Even when you sin, God is bound to his character of goodness. David knew this very well because he was really close to the heart of God. Do you know who David is? King David? King David knew the word inside out. Why did he know the word inside out? Because he put the entire five uh, books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, into music and he sang it to himself. We call it the Psalms. That's how he learned. Because he didn't have Sunday school. And kings don't show up at Sunday school. It freaks everybody out. So, <laughs> he put it. <laughs> Sorry, that was... My mind somewhere. Else. Bring it back. But David, later on, he was on the, on the roof. When he's supposed to be at war with his men, he was on the roof walking around, checking life out, looking at his wonderful castles. Saw a woman, lusted over her, brought her in, slept with her, had a baby, had a husband killed, 
brought her in, married her, had a child, child died, fell before the Lord, fasted and prayed for the child's life, lost that child, got up and said, what's the point? God is good anyway. Nothing I do affects his goodness, calls on the goodness of God and restores his life. That's why God, David has a man of, it was a man after God's own heart. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. So he says in Psalm 51, which is the confession psalm of David, he says in verse 1 and 2, God, in your goodness, have mercy of, on me. You get that? In what have mercy on me? In your good, not in my badness. He doesn't say have mercy on me based on my badness. He says, verse, he says has, have mercy on me based on your goodness. Wash away all my guilt and make me clean again for my sin, from my sin cleanse me. So listen to this. God forgives you not because you're good, but because he is. God forgives you not because you're good or bad, but because he is good. You know what? Here's some good news. God does more than forgive. Forgive is, okay, go, 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 go. Sound familiar? God does more than that. God not only, look at what he says, God not only forgives us our sin, he welcomes us back into the same level of intimacy in a relationship with the same trust. He doesn't reject us, he receives us. Say that in your mind. He doesn't reject me, he receives me. When I do wrong, God doesn't reject me. Rejection is one of your greatest fears. One of your greatest fears is rejection. Men and women. Men and women, we do everything possible to avoid rejection. You won't go to a party, you won't put yourself in that position, you won't even get into a lift, you won't even go into a conversation, you won't go into a subject matter, you will not go where you feel you're going to get rejected. We avoid it like the plague. Because God knows that that is your greatest fear. He has assured you by his goodness that he will never, ever, ever, never reject you. For he who believed in his son, unto him he is given the authority to become the sons of men. He has received us back into his arms. He doesn't just say, Janado, go, do what you want. I forgive you, but don't look at, I don't want to see your face anymore. He says, come back to me. He receives us. God will never reject you. In fact, the blood of Jesus Christ covers us from all sin, covers the world, and has brought peace to God and man permanently. If anybody doesn't go to heaven, it is because they choose not to. Psalm 27, verse 10, 13, 10, 11, 12, and 13. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. My enemies are waiting for me to fall, yet I remain confident. Why? That I'll see what? The goodness of the Lord. I will see the goodness of God the Lord, while I am here in the world, living in the land of the living. So this will make us bold and confident in our prayers. This will make our prayer life bold and confident. Jesus understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. So, so what? Let us come boldly. Let us come with confidence to the throne of our grace of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us in our time of need. When we don't believe in the goodness of God, we get in trouble. We take matters into our own hands. We decide good for ourselves and that's when things fall apart. Number three, 
There's a third aspect. Because God is always good, God puts my good above his own good. God puts my good above his own good. This is the heart of the gospel. Fairy tales and fairy stories, they talk of everyone giving their life for the king. But the Bible talks about the king giving his life for everyone else. The king sacrifices his life for the peasants. The ultimate expression of love. The shepherd dies for the sheep. John chapter 10 verse 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. And I sacrifice my life for my sheep. Wow. John 15 verse 13. The greatest love you can have is to give your life up for somebody else. I hope you're listening to me. This is very, very important. The greatest love you can have is to give your life up for somebody else. The cross where Jesus died, the symbol of the cross, is the greatest and ultimate picture of God's goodness. Because the cross says somebody was willing to lay down their life for you. Somebody was willing to give up their life for you. Listen to me, my dear brother and sister, my friend. Nobody in history, nobody on the face of the earth wants to do that for you but Jesus. Jesus is not a religion. He is God who is willing to give his life up for you. In fact, he did. Nobody has been willing to do that. How many have volunteered and came, knocked on your door and said, have you got some uh, traffic fines? Have you got some traffic uh, violation fines? I'd like to pay it for you. Anybody? Anybody had that? Anybody write you an email? Mr. So-and-so, we would like to, uh, like to inform you that we are aware of how much income you had this past year, and this is the amount of tax, and we would like to pay your tax for you. You'll be punching yourself with something, poking yourself with something. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Anybody want to pay your bills for you? Anybody want to pay for your mistakes at the office place? Take the blame for you. Has anybody come up and said, I want to pay for your sin? All of it, for all time, forever, so that there's no record of your sin ever. Has anyone said that to you? Jesus has. And 2,000 years ago, without your permission, he went and paid the bill. So that you don't get to see what the total was. You are more loved than you want to be. You are more loved than you want to be. God put my good above his own good. And Jesus didn't just die for you, but he imputes his goodness to you so that he takes your sin and he gives you his goodness. God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. Romans chapter 4 verse 25 says, Jesus died for our sins and rose again to make us right with God, filling us with the goodness of God. Let me get to the real point here. Filling us with the goodness of God filling us with God's goodness so he took your rubbish he took your filth he took your your hate he took your bitterness he took all of it put it on himself and then he took his goodness and he, he hasn't left you empty do you get that he hasn't left you empty so don't say oh I have nothing to give to that person I have nothing to give to anybody else I don't have any goodness I don't have any forgiveness you are packed with the character of God you are overflowing with the love of God you just don't know it you just don't know it because everything that was bad about you was put on Christ. Everything that was good about him was put on you and you have it. And in him, you are complete. In him, you are complete. 
If you don't believe in the goodness of God, you won't have believe he's got, you've got his goodness. Are you getting that? But here's the better news. That God sent Jesus to take care of your sin problem, paid your sin problem, paid your sin bill 2,000 years before you gave him permission and he didn't get to, you didn't get to see the bill. Now, if that's true, if that's true, look at Romans chapter 8 verse 30. Since God did not spare his own son, would you give up your kid? Would you give up your kid for any reason? If God but gave him up for us all, won't he now also give us everything else that we need? Jesus on the cross should change your prayer life. Jesus on the cross should redefine your willingness to pray for anything because if God can give us Jesus, nothing else is too big for him. It's all small stuff. Don't believe that God has given you earth with a little bit of heaven thrown in. God wants to give you heaven with a little bit of earth thrown in. Let's say 70, 80, 90 years before eternity so that you can see the goodness, the graciousness, the love, the compassion and the healing of God. Nobody of you, I prophesy, is going to live beyond 100 So however bad your life is, there will be the end and there will be a new beginning. There will be a new beginning and that new beginning is the beginning of eternity. And God wants you to be part of that eternity with him. Number four, because God is good, he does not say yes to all your requests. Say hallelujah. If God gave me everything I ever wanted, I don't know, I'd probably have seven wives or something. I'd have 14 cars. And I'd have a lot of debt. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just saying. Are you found it? Number four? Because God is always good, He does not say yes to every request. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. No loving parent is going to say yes to everything their kid asks for. That's not love. But there are four answers that God gives. Are you ready for this? There are four ways God answers you. When your request is wrong, he says no. That's a good thing. When your request is wrong, he says no. When your timing is wrong, he says slow. When your maturity is off, he says grow. And when the timing is right, he says go. He says, go. So when the request is wrong, he says, no. When the timing is off, he says, when the maturity is not there, you're not ready for it, he says, grow. And when everything's good to go, he says, go. So you know when God doesn't say yes, he's got something better planned for you. You just know that. Your fathers, if, you, if, you, if your children ask you for a fish to eat, to eat, would you give them a snake instead? Or if they asked you for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? Of course not. You would not do that. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give those who ask the Holy Spirit to give it to them? Here's the point. God will never give anything that hurts you. 
God will never give you anything hurtful or bad for you. And the reality is this. It's easy to trust God's goodness when God gives you what you want. It's easy to trust God's goodness when everything is perfectly fine. Are you with me? I'm getting close to the end. Don't tune off. When life is great, it's easy to sing, God is good, God is good, all the time, all the God is good. But when things go bad, when things go bad, when everything seems to be bad in your life, when your head is hurting, when your body is aching, when the bills are coming in, when the people are turning on you, when you're alone, when you expect it to not be alone, when, the, when people abandon you, when people speak against you, when people betray you, when you go through those periods of your life, when you find like you're on a cross with no disciples around you, everyone has left and you're all alone. In that moment is the test of whether you believe God is good or not. If you're looking for an explanation of why you're there, you're never going to get it because faith doesn't come from an explanation. Faith is a matter of surrender to what is true. Will you say like Job in faith, will you say, you give, you give and you take away. My heart will choose to say, you are good, I love you. My heart will choose to say, Isaiah chapter 55 says, My thoughts are completely different from your thoughts. My ways are beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are high above the earth, so are my ways much higher than yours, and my thoughts much higher than yours. Let's close up with number five. Number five, it says, Because God is good, because He's always good, He invites us to live with Him forever. Because God is good, He invites us to live with Him forever. God wants to show His goodness to you, despite everything we have done, by inviting you to be with Him forever, for eternity. Forever. Let's look at a couple of verses there. Second Thessalonians 2, 16, 17. Our Lord Jesus Christ, God of our Father, who loves us, has given us by grace an everlasting encouragement and a good hope that will last forever. May this, encouragement your, may this encourage your heart and give you strength for every good thing you do and say. Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Say it. Forever. God has invited you permanently into his house and in his house in heaven there is no pain there is no suffering there is no parting there is no rejection there is no weakness there is no loss there is no uh, fears there is no uncertainty there is no inhibitions there is nothing negative Everything that is good about God is good about His presence. And He has invited you to live in His presence forever and ever and ever. He's invited you to live on earth 70, 80, 90 years, but in His presence forever and ever and ever. On earth, everybody else's free will has reigned on your life. In heaven, nobody can touch your life. Your goodness is secured forever. God is good. God is good. God is good. All the time, God is good. Even when your child has been sick, even when your little baby has died and has gone to heaven before you could meet them, even when you've lost hard work, hard earned money, 
even when you've lost opportunities because somebody else stepped over you and took it. Everything that is broken and unjust in this world should remind you of the fact that God is good. I can turn anything in your life around for goodness to those who are called according to his purpose. I invite you to get right with God. I invite you to get right with God because some of you are not right with God. You've been running from Him. You've been angry with Him. You've been indifferent towards Him. And He's a good God. He's, just, he's not just a God who wants to be sung about. He wants to be in your life and prove it. Through the tough times and the good times, He wants to prove that He is with you. God sent Jesus to the cross and paid the bill. And all you have to do in faith is say, I want to honor Jesus for what he has done for me by allowing him to be the CEO of my life and to get the credit of my life. Oh, but Pastor Jeremy, that basically means you're giving up everything for Christ. Yes. He gave up everything for you. Today is the 20. 2nd of July. Will you make this day the day you got right with God? You believed He was a good God, that you received His forgiveness, and that you honored Him with the rest of your life, which I don't know will be a day, or 10 years, or 40 years. I don't know how long you have. But will you do that today? Will you make that your decision today? You have to pray this simple prayer with you, with me. Lord Jesus, I understand what pastor is saying and I understand that I have been away from you, that my heart has not been inclined toward you. I want to have an intimate relationship with you. I want to have a prayer life that really nails into my heart every day. It reinforces in my heart every day that you are good. Because I know that if I believe you're good, then I'll know that you have my back. And I will have confidence in the world, confidence with people, confidence in difficult situations, in scary situations, about the future and the uncertainty of my finances and my provision. I know that I will have great confidence if I have a great life, prayer life. And I can only have a great prayer life if I know for a fact that you love me, that you've forgiven me, and that you're not holding anything against me. Remove from my life all the wrong pictures that, I, that have been put in my heart and mind about you. And show me Jesus as the one true manifestation of who God is. And in you I will see, in Jesus I will see everything I need to know about God and respond accordingly. Today I acknowledge Jesus as my connector to God. He is the mediator. He, I will make him Lord of my life. I will give him the glory and the honor of my life. Today... I give him my life. Lord, would you give me some friends, spiritual friends, to help me live this commitment out. Today I covenant to be yours. Thank you for making me yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.